life goes by quickly and, and in my game, definitely we take a bit more risk than, than the average person on the planet, even though sometimes we pretend we don't. So it's definitely taught me to, to be a bit more real and, uh, and try not to, uh, take anything for granted. Why are so many people fascinated by flying? What lessons can we learn from skydiving? And how can we pursue our passion? Who better to ask than Will Penny, a world champion freestyle skydiver who has already completed 19,000 jumps. Will tells us how his passion for skydiving became his profession and why it is so important for us to pursue our dream. We talk about ego, fear, personal growth and of course the adrenaline rush. This podcast brings you stories from and about people who stepped into the unknown. Stories about fear, uncertainty, the illusion of security or, I don't know, let's see what it will be about. My name is Katarina Bayer and I will host you on this journey into the unknown. never skydived in my life before if you have to explain skydiving to somebody who has never skydived before like me what would you say to them oh that's a fantastic question i think it's uh it's it's a really uh introspective uh challenge uh where you go against what your primary uh, instincts are telling you that you shouldn't do or, or you should do, I suppose that they're very closely connected. So the, the, the experience becomes, uh, very much like pushing yourself to do something that, that, that your mind is telling you that you shouldn't do, but, but you actually really want to experience. So it's, it's quite a mental game. Uh, and then the, the actual sensation, the first few seconds are a little bit perhaps petrifying the first time you do it. And then very quickly after you've left the plane, uh, you start to get into this feeling that you're actually flying, you know, because you're quite far away from references that give you the reference of speed and, uh, and distance. Um, so you got like two parts to it. The free fall part, like the hardest part would be probably in the door. And then the next, uh, most uh, impactful part where you're going to feel your, your stomach drop would be when you leave the plane. And then after that, it becomes actually quite, quite a peaceful experience. Uh, and then when your parachute opens, it's, uh, it's really nice because you, you're quite uh, disconnected from any clutter, uh, of, of the world, right? And you have a beautifully uninterrupted view of, of the world and the perspective, right? Of, uh, how you fit into this reality. And, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a moving experience, I suppose, you know? So it's, uh, it's playing on, on several parts of, of what make us to be human beings, like the mind. The ego, the heart, and, uh, 
it's one of those things that's really difficult to describe, one of those things that should be lived, you know. <laughs> I really think uh, the words words kind of fail, you know. But it's also like it's this tremendously like uh, beautifully intense journey that as soon as it's over, you're like, but did that actually really happen? Do you still have sometimes the fear when you're in the door before you jump or does it like pass after so many jumps that you've done? Uh, I would say that uh, it depends on what's going on. Uh, there is always uh, this, this fear, this ever-present fear, but it, it can be quite converted more into a state of focus and uh, like utmost respect for what you're doing. But yeah, sometimes in a different place or even if you're just in a, in a, like a, a different mental state, I suppose, um, or, or mindset, sometimes your, your emotion can be a bit stronger, but, but the, the fear of the unknown starts to fade away. Whereas you just start to have fears of the things that you do know that can go wrong, which I suppose might be more terrifying than, than just like the ignorance is bliss theory, right? Whenever I speak to people, so many people tell me if they have like one superpower, they would like to fly. Why do you think that so many humans have this intense wish to fly? Why is it so fascinating for us? That's a really interesting question. And, and I never really thought about it too much until you just, uh, well, no, I would be lying if I said I didn't thought about it too much. I think perhaps like um, the main three ways that we can interact with the elements would be land, water, and air, because we, we don't really do so well in the fire, right? So we can manage ourselves on land. And because we're mammals, uh, we are quite comfortable in water. So we can swim and we can hold our breath. And then the one uh, way of, uh, of experiencing uh, our planet um, that we see other creatures doing like birds and insects, I suppose, uh, would be to fly. And that one's a little bit uh, far further out of reach. So perhaps it's this, uh, this intriguing uh, kind of nature wanting to know what it's like to do something that we actually don't really have any evolutionary uh, traits to actually do. But yes, I, I think it's something that, that a lot of people have uh, thought about and perhaps even dreamt about. And then with inside of that, probably a lot less people will actually pursue some type of experience with it because even though our modern world is quite uh, intertwined with, with uh, commercial and recreational aviation, there's still a vast majority of the planet who will never actually fly in a plane. So with inside of that, there's a, a way, way smaller percentage who decides it's uh, something nice to do on a Sunday and jump out of that plane, I suppose. <laughs> You know, I was always amazed what water does to my body and how it feels to be free in the water. How do you experience this free fall on your body? Like what is the body sensations that you have when you're falling and then when the parachute opens? Yeah, for, for me, that's actually one of the, the, one of the coolest parts of the sport is that sensation on the body because, you know, Some people think that air is, is not there because uh, we can't see it and we can't really t touch it, even though we are all the time. But when air is not moving, it seems not to be there. But as you increase uh, the speed that you're traveling in, in the airflow or the airflow, uh, it, it, the speed is increased, 
the air actually becomes almost like a fluid medium. So it becomes not too distant from the sensation of water, uh, but obviously it's just a lot less dense. And then the, the interesting thing on the body is uh, where that air is hitting your body and where you are playing with your center of gravity and, and balance, which becomes a very important part of the sport if you start to want to learn how to uh, how to get good at flying. You know, you have to kind of uh, pursue some type of uh, obsessive uh, journey towards uh, trying to understand where that airflow is going and um, how your body is behaving inside of it. And, and there are sensations connected to that. So you can have these sensations of relatively going uh, faster, slower, and in some ways even up and down, even though uh, as soon as you jump out of a plane, there's no moment you're going up. But but you can have these uh, sensations with inside of the, the air that, that are actually pretty strongly connected to the the pleasurable side of the sport, I believe. What you are doing is more than, than just flying as a hobby or for sports. I heard that you grew up on a, on a drop zone and you had your first tandem flight when you were 10 and your first solo flight when you were 15. And if I read correctly, so far you've done about 19,000 jumps. This is a, a number. I don't know. That is incredible. Yeah. And you re reinvented free skydiving and you actually became uh, a world champion in freestyle skydiving. When did you become aware that it's, that skydiving is less a hobby and you really want to make a profession out of it? Um, you know, like it was definitely something that was quite present in my life. Well, actually it's been very present in my life since I was a, a young boy and uh, I pursued it as something basically it was like a family thing that we did. So it was just uh, pretty normal and, and I always enjoyed it, but, but it took me until I was like, after I finished school, I took a year off before university and I was traveling around Australia and, and I went to Indonesia to do some surfing. And the one afternoon uh, I remember I was at a drop zone and it was like, I don't know, like some random day of the week, like midweek or something. And I just up to do a jump. And I remember like opening up the door and looking outside and just thinking to myself, like, actually, this is uh, something that I want to <laughs> pursue as much as I can, because I just found it uh, kind of like a decent life hack. You know, I was thinking, well, this is a way that I can actually live. And this is something that makes me feel feel happy. So there was definitely like a turning point when I decided, okay, like um, I'm going I'm to go for it. And it was also... Uh, largely uh, due to the fact that I was surrounded by people who inspired me. Uh, and, and for sure, like some of the people who inspired me the most on this journey have been my family and, and the support. Uh, and then other people just uh, that I was hanging around with at the time showed me that this is uh, something that, that, that you can do. So I decided to um, go back to South Africa and start and then uh complete my, my university studies, which, which was a fantastic decision, of course. But, but I, there was a really big fire burning inside of me that I knew I didn't want to be sitting for the rest of my life uh, behind a computer um, or inside of uh, a, a kind of workshop. So I decided that I was going to travel a bit after university and, and, and work in skydiving. And then it just ended up so many 
parallel life projects started to emerge from that same decision. And, uh, yeah, that's going back like almost 19 years now, you know, so, and there's been no, no looking back and, and absolutely no regrets for sure. You said you went to university and you studied product design. I mean, you, you described it before, like you look down there and you know, you want to do uh, skydiving as much as possible. But for me, it's still like a passion and, I did you ever had like this moment where you're like, isn't it more secure when I have a normal job and I do my degree and I, I continue as a product designer? Was there any time where you're like, no, I take the risk now and I continue skydiving? Yes, definitely. Um, but is it really a more secure decision to, to do more mainstream uh, type of uh, life decisions at the compromise of, of what you really want to do. That's actually way more scary for me, you know, because uh, I believe I did very well at university and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and what I studied has helped me a lot in, in my career as a skydiver, but, but there was a defining uh, intersection there, right? Where I finished and I had done well and I knew that I would have, would have been a, 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 a I believe a, a good uh, product designer if I had, decided to dedicate myself to that full time. But, but at the same time, I knew inside of me that that wasn't really what I wanted to do with my life at that point. So uh, yes, it, it's definitely a slightly more unconventional uh, career path and, and perhaps a bit more risky, but over time, I think the, the people who've dedicated their, their uh, professional lives and, and their passion to, um, pursuing something that they really believe in have also kind of in a way shaped the society that we have today. You know, I mean, imagine if it was, it's, it's not the most amazing example, but even 10 years ago, there was no such thing as, as a, a job in social media. There was definitely no such thing as an influence. And I have people who are earning uh, six figures who are just cruising around the world, uh, documenting what they're doing. Right. So I think there's a, definitely a, a bit of a, a bit of a, uh, a shift in the way that that we can live uh, on on the planet, and uh, and I believe that uh, people of of uh, my generation and and the one that's that's come after and the one before, they've all been very instrumental in in shaping our industry into something that has become uh, a place where we can all actually. Uh, live a good life and, and follow our passion and help the sport to evolve. Right. And, and it's ended up uh, sh shifting a lot into a, a very uh, much more professional uh, space and, uh, and become a pretty massive industry too. Right. Like there's a, with the birth of the wind tunnels, there's like a uh, multi, multi-million industry that's, that's come around uh, fr from that technological innovation. And also like skydiving has a, uh, put many um many cool destinations uh on the map like for example a place where i spend a lot of time is is dubai and dubai has a a, a skydiving center drop zone basically in the marina you know so it is something that's um that if it wasn't for the people of, of my parents generation and my generation and the one off and the one that's come next if we didn't believe in this and we didn't decide to to really go for it uh i think that would have been 
slightly more petrifying that then everyone decided to get a job uh, in a bank and there's nothing wrong with getting a job in a bank. <laughs> How you describe it, it sounds so smooth and like everything worked out. Were there ever times when you were struggling and thinking, did I really take the right decision? Yeah, of course. There have been, there will be, and, and there are always. But but I suppose we could ask the same question to yourself, right? Or yeah. to a doctor or to a lawyer, you know? And, and the thing is that a lot of people too who decided to choose a life a little bit more uh, mainstream and a bit more secure it's probably a wiser decision but they might be the people who's struggling inside of them for, for for their own happiness or someone might say i really wanted to be a writer but uh, i decided to be a doctor because uh, it was a more um, kind of secure career path so yeah definitely there's been times that haven't been easy but i don't think that's necessarily related to to the choices that I made in terms of a career. I think that's uh, something that we're all going to face, right? Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. What are the most important things that skydiving has taught you? Um, well, that's a pretty big question. Um, the most important things that it's taught me is, um, I suppose, to be real, To, to yourself and uh, to really try to uh, manage your your ego, which uh, doesn't always uh, work out. Um, and and in, in, in really uh, intense form of respect for the time we have in this life uh, in several ways. The one is like not, not to waste it, doing something you don't want to do. And another one is to really appreciate it because it, goes so quickly right and uh and, and also just to um really uh appreciate and, and nurture the the relationships that you have in life because uh life goes by quickly and and in my game definitely we take a bit more risk than than the average person on the planet even though sometimes we pretend we don't so it's definitely taught me to to be a bit more real and uh and try not to uh take anything for granted and also in like a a really strong sense of uh, teamwork because uh, pretty much all of the relationships that we have uh, in one form or the other are based on some type of mutual kind of uh, respect and, and contribution. So it's definitely taught me to appreciate uh, that, that, that you, whatever you achieve is wasn't done on your own. There's people behind that have helped you to, to do that and to respect that. And, and the more you can work together and, and, and appreciate everybody for having the role that they did in what you're doing, uh, we just kind of keep on feeding each other. Mm. Um, because you mentioned risk, I have to quote you. You once said, don't become a base jumper and you probably survive. And I heard you saying that you lost some friends um, while skydiving and it's a, it's a pretty risky sport uh, or profession. How do you differentiate between what your ego tells you and um, what actually your mind tells you? Because I guess you have to take a lot of risks because you are a professional skydiver. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, um, this is a very much a, a human uh, 
thing that we have to learn to manage and uh, perhaps a little bit harder if you're a man because our egos uh, outweigh our brain. You know? <laughs> I think that's some type of evolutionary trait that we have, right? So I think you learn how to manage that if you if you want to grow in that area, if you're prepared to accept that your ego has a huge role to do with every decision you make. It's basically your heart, uh, your, your brain, and your ego. Um, and again, if, if, if you're playing in, in this kind of sphere of reality, uh, your ego is a huge, a huge, uh, has a huge presence. You, you will also get your ego put in place a few times and your ego m- might hurt you or kill you. So, so I think the more in tune that you can be in your personal growth to realizing when it's actually your ego that, that wants to do something or that's making a decision, uh, before, before your, your brain or your heart, then you can start to, uh, put up some red flags in your decisions. And this, maybe some people have it a little bit easier. Otherwise, it's something that's going to happen with experience and, and maturity, but you have to reach the experience and maturity before your ego wins that battle, right? So uh, I think if you like want to accept that that's a big part of it and, and you try to put that into your, your way of, of, uh, of being, then you can learn how to uh, at least acknowledge the presence of the ego. And then after that, try to uh, be a little bit more balanced and, and manage it. Mm. Just, just imagining that I would jump out of a plane in half an hour. It gives me chills all over my body and I have an adrenaline rush. Do you still have this adrenaline rush or do you have to like do things that, uh, other things in your life that gives you the same rush or do you still have it with skydiving? No, I definitely, for sure, I still have a skydiving. It would be a very different type of rush to what you have because the first time you jump, it would be very much a, 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 the adrenaline would be like a fight or flight reflex and very much a sensory overload type thing. Survival mode would kick in big time. And that is always underlying in every single jump that every single person does. But, but you kind of get used to it and your experience tells you that, Hey, it's probably going to be okay. Um, but then we also like, you asked me if, if I have to look for other places in my life to, to get the rush. It's more like I have to look deeper inside skydiving to, uh, to get that same uh, secretion from the adrenal glands. But we, we have pretty good ways of doing that. <laughs> so, like the more you jump, the more you're going to, uh, grasp the more you, you you can do safely so the more sometimes uh yeah the more you can push yourself the more radical kind of uh flying you can do and then that brings you to to a similar place and uh definitely uh the, the yeah there's a few things too like in my personal journey like when i started to compete that was for me was a massive uh like massive place to be with those new that that kind of feeling of the new sensations of skydiving just because of the the amount of work you have to put in to arrive there and then everything that's riding on it and the the consequences of of you not achieving what you want to achieve so that definitely was was quite an eye opener for me that brought me to some some places where perhaps the rush in a way was even greater than my first jump very different very 
kind of almost unfair to compare, but, but you can look deeper inside of what you're doing to find that same kind of adrenal uh, satisfaction. Have you ever thought about it, uh, how long you can still fly? Like, is there an age limit or something in skydiving? Yeah, I get asked this question almost weekly, you know. <laughs> and I mean, uh, th th there's no like, in a sense, age limit to, to uh, how old or how young you need to be. Of course, like when, when you're younger, you have a bit more time you know, normally ahead of you, but then you don't have the experience. And as you get older, you, you start to ask these kind of existential questions of uh, what are we doing and where, where am I going? But then you have the experience uh, behind you and with you. So I have some like very close friends of mine and mentors who are in their like fifties or mid fifties who still at the top of the sport, but, but you, you don't just arrive there passively without working to sustain yourself in that place. And then of course, like once you, you've gone through a path in any career, then the way that you can be relevant inside that industry would change. Right. So like, uh, for example, if you're a formula one driver, Perhaps you decide to retire from actually driving and you start to work with the team and you start to uh, be a manager of a team or you start to to train drivers uh, and then perhaps you can end up even owning a team or et cetera. There's many ways you can go about it. So I think uh, one thing that, that I've, I'm really happy to, to accept and, and I've decided on is that I would like to see myself remaining in in this industry for my, my working life but i hope too that my roles will, will evolve naturally with time which they already have i'm still very active i'm still jumping a lot uh but definitely I, i've made some decisions and, and, and invested some of my time to to have a different uh place where i can share my, my experience and, and contribute to the industry and also looking a little bit further ahead to how I could uh, sustain myself in the sport without being uh, in a place that I have to jump every day. So, so yeah, I mean, there is no defined limit as to how long you can jump. It just depends what you want to do. And, and if you want to retain the same role that you have, or you want to uh, perhaps uh, use the experience that you've got and then uh, make a new uh, place for yourself. Um, so you're a skydiving instructor as well. And I recently discovered for myself the, the power of visualization. How much of the instruction you give to new students is about mental preparation and visualization and, and how much can this contribute to the jump? Yeah, I'm really happy you asked that question because it's, it's something that I actually work a lot with and more and more uh, in recent uh, years. Because um, I believe that the biggest contribution I will make to somebody is actually in their, their, their mental training. So the mental side of the sport is, is super important. And, and connected to that, the visualization is, is, uh, is, is a tool that, that's, I think it's kind of undervalued in a way. And, and uh, in a lot of training, Even, even within skydiving, it's, it's used, but I don't think it's used as much as it should be. And when we, when you compete, it's something that, that we, we taught how to do and something that you carry with you from that point forward. And, uh, yeah, the visualization is, is a super powerful tool. And, uh, and, and once you can find a way to, 
to allow people to visualize what you uh, would like them to do or how you need them to perform. You give them tremendous tools for the sport that, that they can even like copy paste into uh, normal life. So it's a super big part of our game. And I, I was working with a couple of colleagues of mine to develop some, some training programs to actually grow new uh, teachers and coaches in the sport. And, and one of my uh, colleagues had a really good point. He said, you know, in the past 20 years, we, we went so far down the rabbit hole just to make ourselves better flyers, but we didn't put that same amount of energy to make us better teachers. Mm. So, so now we're kind of at this super interesting place where, where the flying is and technically is, is, is on a really nice steep exponential curve. And there's more and more people who jump in on board trying to understand how we can teach those skills. And, and, and that, that becomes a really nice uh, circle of, of seeking knowledge for yourself and then giving back and, and always trying to keep uh, in a growth mindset. And, and that's kind of where I find the, uh, the sports at a really, really nice place right now because people are, are super happy to look deeper into the mental side of the game. And this in turn, I believe, is, is a huge uh, driving force behind making us uh, much better at what we're doing. How can I imagine the visualization? Do you like watch uh, clips of somebody skydiving and then try to embody it? And, or, or what is, what is, can you give an example what you do when you visualize what, like skydiving? Yeah, definitely. Like when you want to visualize uh, skydiving, sometimes because it's a three dimensional sport, at least uh, free flying and, and freestyle, the artistic disciplines, it's moving in three dimensions. So it's not, so similar it, it's not it, it's a little bit different from how we interact in the world because it's usually a bit more of a 2d world that we live in um so, so the the third dimension adds a bit of a, a bit of a extra tricky thing for the brain to compute so we use sometimes like little mannequins like little dolls that that you can see like how people are interacting with each other. Uh, and, and then you can look at it. So you can look at it from the outside and you can see, okay, this is me, this is you. And we need to go like this and then down and up or whatever it might be. So you can see, okay, this is where, what it needs to look like. And, and then the second form of visualization is imagining what you should be seeing. So if this is me and that's you, so I'll, I, I should see you here and then I should see you there, for example. And then you take a look from the outside too. So there's basically two, there's like an introspective uh, form of uh, visualization where you think about what you should see. And then there's the visualization where you, you think about if someone was watching you do this thing, what it should look like from the outside. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, when I talk to people about skydiving, something I heard and I want to talk about myth now is that the 100th jump is done naked. And <laughs> is there, is there any like funny things or myth that are totally wrong or totally true? Um, and you want to share with us? Yeah, the, the hundredth jump naked is, is, uh, it's not done in every country. Definitely in South Africa, it's a thing. <laughs> like I think my hundredth jump, uh, naked. Yeah, for sure. But some people, like as I've traveled and I say, actually, ah, hundredth jump, you should jump naked. They're like, what are you talking about? You know, so it depends about which country you're in and what's the kind of, uh, the, the vibe there for, for that type of celebration. But it's definitely a big milestone, right? Like most people, the most amount of people will experience 
who will experience skydiving will do one jump, right? Do a tandem. Yeah. And then a very, very small percentage of, of those people will go on to get their license. And then the even smaller percentage of those people will arrive to a th- hundred jumps and then less and less to a thousand then 10,000. So it becomes just pretty special milestones for uh, basically your commitment to the sport and your time in the sport. And then it's also pretty much only the people who've been down that road who are going to appreciate it. Other people just think you're completely crazy. You know? <laughs> so is there anything, because you have already 19,000 jumps, is there any big landmark on the 20,000 jump or something that you have to do? Because I guess not many people do so many no, jumps. Yeah, not, not, not so much. The, the, I, I would say like your it's not so much that you have to do, right? It's just probably a celebration, you know, because it's going to mark a very significant amount of time and commitment to uh, doing something obsessively, basically. Uh, so I think the celebration is, 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 is arriving at that point and, and sharing it with, with people who, uh, who are happy for you to be there and, and, and uh, hopefully um, have a good time, you know, like maybe do your 20,000 jump and then, uh, I don't know, have some beers or something. I don't know. Like, but there's, there's no, it's not like a, I don't know, not kind of as uh, connected to that idea of the naked jump on the hundredth. Sometimes there's like the pie in the face is another one. So they just bait you, you land. And then I think that's like a, a lot of places do that for a hundred or a thousand. So you land from your jump and then they like put, everyone put pie, puts pies in your face or something like that. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> random, I suppose. I have three last questions, Will. Sure. Um, what is your biggest fear? Huh. In life or in, in life? Skydiving? I suppose uh, my biggest fear in life would be having not lived it and uh, – not, 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 uh, allowed yourself to live it. And, and that goes, uh, good. That goes down to, to many, many levels, right? Like, um, the, I suppose the fear of, uh, of, of being alone and, and, uh, with, with your choices or, um, or being alone, like, and, and not, not having truly loved and, uh, not pursued your, your passion and, uh, yeah. But like, if I had to put one uh, one kind of uh, sentence to that answer, would be my biggest fear would be having not to have lived it, and that would be in many types, in many areas of my life. What are you currently doing that you still don't know how it will turn out? Why well, every single day of my life, <laughs> like all of us, I suppose. Nobody has a nobody has a clue how today's going to turn out or tomorrow is, but we just got to keep on keep on charging ahead, you know. So the last thing is less a question; it's more. I learn from the stories of people, like from your story. But I learn the most if I have one thing that I can put into action. Is there anything, any lesson that you learned or anything um, connected to your career, connected to your passion, connected to your life that anybody of us like me or the listeners can do that we can bring your story into our lives? Yeah, I believe so. And, and I would say that that would be to be true to yourself. 
and, uh, and really pursue that passion that you have, regardless of if you want to make it, uh, a career or you want to make it something that you do, uh, for a short period of time or, or, or you just create more time to do it. But, but everybody has a passion inside of them or, or, or several and not, not, in, not, uh, are, are honest with ourselves and, and actually give, give time for that, you know, and, and I believe if you, if you pursue that passion, uh, it's one of the best things you can do for, for your own life. I'm, I'm very, very happy that you said this because, uh, today is a day where I was like, should I really pursue my passion? And I'll, I will take, I will take your advice and continue. That's awesome. And what is it? If you don't mind me asking my passion, I want that um, people connect more. I have the sensation that we're striving so much to be like special in our kind and we sometimes lose that humankind is there to connect with others and I would love that people connect more and if I sometimes can be the connecting dot or the link, this would make me very humble and grateful. But it seems like what you're doing with the podcast is already a good step in that direction. Thank, thanks for saying it. But you know that sometimes you have these, uh, yeah, situations in life where you, it's a bit tricky. So I'm really yeah. happy that you said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. No, but I mean, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're really on that path. So just to keep going for it, right? It's, it's, uh, it makes you happy and, and, and it makes you fulfilled it, then that's, uh, that makes everything worth it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for talking to me. Finally, I can Thank say you. I know Will Penny. <laughs> Thank you for having me on your show. And uh, I look forward to, to hearing the, the final uh, result. Mm-hmm.